Talk about the genetics of autism. So we've known since the 90s that autism is genetic, that genes play a major role. But for a couple of decades, this, there was not a lot of success in identifying those genes. And that really fostered some doubt in the autism community as to uh, whether it was true that autism was genetic. Uh, a, a clinician might tell a parent when they receive their diagnosis of autism, we know that autism is genetic, but we don't understand how it works. And, and the mom might think to herself, yeah, autism probably has a genetic basis, but it's maybe not genetic in my family because autism doesn't run in my family. Mm -hmm. And because you weren't finding genes, there was no way to, to really tell parents, this is how it works. And so now that the key innovation has been the sequencing technologies that allow us to identify these de novo mutations. And now we're starting to see them occurring frequently in specific places in the genome, in specific genes. And we now have dozens of genes that are now unequivocally linked to autism. So now we can say this mutation is a cause of autism. Your child carries a mutation in the gene chromodomain 8 or the gene DIRK1A, or uh, FMR1, MECP2. There's a whole series of genes now where you can actually, even in a research study, we can take a series of genetic findings and we can report them back to the primary care physician and they can report them to the family. And now the family knows this is the genetic contributor, one of the major genetic contributors in my child. So I can imagine the confusion parents might have. They, the father might say, it doesn't run in my family. Mother might say, it doesn't run in my family. And, and what we're hearing is that A, it may not be so easy to detect it running in your family, but B, that some of these are brand new mutations. So when the doctor approaches the parents and says, look, we've done all this work to figure out what the genetic basis is, and we found a gene, and here it is, what's the reaction the family has to that information? So we're routinely taking the, the findings that are designated as, uh, you know, according to clinical guidelines, these are reportable variants, and we're giving those back to the primary care physicians. And the responses of the families that we get is almost universally relief. Mm. Often these are families who have been going from specialist to specialist, trying to understand what's wrong. And from a clinical standpoint, it's not obvious. A child may have epilepsy, a child may have repetitive behaviors, they may have social difficulties, they may have difficulties concentrating in school. That is not a diagnosis that tells you really what's wrong. Right. And then when you actually have, this is the gene, the major gene that contributed in this patient, suddenly things are a lot more clear to the family and, and they have an answer that they can begin to understand. And, that brings, brings relief. And I, I think the, the relief might also come, I'm just putting myself in their shoes, the relief might come from understanding that there was no way they could possibly have known that this change was there. In fact, maybe this is a new change that doesn't occur in their genome. It's out of the clear blue sky. There's no sense in which there's guilt attached to it. It's just, thank goodness, we know that there's a gene that can explain that. That's true, and it's, it's also very helpful to know when it's a de novo mutation, that very often when, when you observe that in the patient, 
it, it does give you a sense, give you, give you an indication that there isn't a high risk mm. of that mutation happening again. And so that would obviously from a clinical genetics, genetic counseling standpoint, the family um, can get new information about what are the chances of having another child with autism.